that's my one question I really wanted to throw out tonight, uh, is why? Why did he do it? Now, I know that's not the first question some people here tonight might ask, um, because you get stuck more on, like, the how. Uh, God really came to earth through a virgin as a, as a child. Uh, for me, I've never really wrestled with the how question. My, maybe my faith has been very simple along the way, but I just have always, God can do it any way he wants to do it. And if he wants to do it that way, he's God, I'm not, he wins. Uh, so I've not really wrestled necessarily with the how he came. Uh, I've never even really wrestled with the if he came. Uh, but I have wrestled with this question of why he came. Why did he do it? Why did he show up? Why did God come to a planet uh, filled with people, some who just ultimately rejected him, uh, some who were just indifferent towards him, some who were just bent on evil and rebellion, and just people, just, they just didn't care. Why would God show up to a planet that largely populated by people who didn't invite him to come? They just didn't care. So why did God do it? And as I wrestle with the why question, I really have two simple answers of, well, either he came just to condemn everyone. He literally came just in, stepped into humanity just to tell humanity how evil we actually are and wipe us all out. One of the things that I love that Jesus uh, answered in his life, his ministry, his teaching, is he actually tells us uh, why that wasn't one of the reasons he came. In John chapter 3, uh, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So I know from what Jesus said, the one who came, who was sent by God to us, he didn't come to condemn the world. And so if he didn't come to condemn, then I wonder if the reason behind the why is that maybe he actually cares. Maybe God actually cared enough to step into our rebellion, our rejections, our doubts, our fears, our indifference. Maybe God actually cared enough about us to step into our mess. One theologian pastor uh, if, summed it up. He said, if I could sum up all of the Christmas message and all of its truths, what three words would you use? And the three words that he simply said is, God with us. And that's actually really what a prophet named Isaiah in the Old Testament uh, was about 700 years uh, before the time of Jesus, before Jesus entered this world as an infant, as a baby. Uh, this prophet in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it's already been read to us very well, I might add. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel just simply means God with us. In Jesus, what we see is God is with us us. So why is he with us? Why did he come to be with us? If it's not to condemn, what are the reasons that Jesus came? And I'm going to give you three very simple ones, and hopefully you'll remember these as you would leave here this place tonight. And the, very, the first one, it's simple, but I hope it's profound because the first truth is to demonstrate the love of God. I'm answering the question, why did he come? Why did he step in and number one, I just to demonstrate the love of God. One hard lesson I learned in just 
this aspect of a demonstration of love is when I was uh, in a relationship with my now wife. Uh, at the time, we were not married. We actually weren't even dating. We were disconnected. She was uh, serving as a missionary in Albania, and we had been apart for about a year, and there had been no communication between us. Uh, and I start feeling the need. I need to, I want to reconnect. I want to start building this relationship again. I started sending letters, and someone, a uh, gentleman that I was living with at the time, said very simply, Michael, when it comes to matters of love, letters in the mail just aren't sufficient. You got to go yourself. And so he planted a seed in my heart and in my head of, if I really care, if I really want this relationship and want to win her back, go to where she is. I didn't actually end up going uh, to where she is in Albania. (laughs) I'm still learning about relationships. But it was a very helpful but profound truth that in matters of love, you must come yourself. In matters of love, you must come yourself. If God just was concerned about getting us to have right, right doctrine or right beliefs, or if he was just concerned about us knowing the difference between right or wrong, well, send a prophet for that. Send an angel for that. But in matters of love, you can't have someone else stand in your place. And so God came. 1 John chapter 4 speaks to this. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is how God showed his love. He sent A very familiar verse that speaks the same message is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I realize for some, that's just old news. And sometimes old news doesn't translate to good news because you've heard it so much before. But the reality is whether it's old to you, uh, it's news we still need to hear again and again and again that you are loved by God. I love with my kids, I, I tell them, Tristan or Riley or Caden, affectionately known as thing one, thing two, and thing three, I've got something to tell you. And they're like, Dad, we know. I'm like, what? You love us. I'm like, fine, I'll stop telling you. They're like, no, don't stop telling us. <laughs> Things that we know are things that we need to hear again and again and again. In matters of love, you must come yourself. God loved each of us enough to step into our world, uninvited, filled with doubts and knowing there would be rebellion and rejection, but he stepped into to demonstrate just how much he loves you. That's why he came. The second reason why he came is to give life Not only life eternal, but life to the fullest. I want you just to picture for a moment full life. What does a full life look like? And if you think for a moment full life means just busy, like your daytimer is packed, that's not a full life, that's just a busy life. Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. John 10 speaks to this, and in verse 10 he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I have come 
that you, might, that, that you may have life and may have it to the full. If Jesus came to give me life and give me life to the full, you have to ask yourself the question, or at least be willing to ask yourself the question, am I living that life? Am I living a life that is marked by fullness? Now, I know many people might have, what does that even look like? We live in a world where a full life is really marked by the positions you hold, the possessions you, you have, maybe certain plaques that you have hanging on your wall speaking to accolades and accomplishments. That's what a full life represents. But as you read through Scripture, what a full life represents is someone who's got joy, someone who has contentment, someone who has peace. And I'm not talking about a peace that you can just lay your head on a pillow and sleep well every night but that you have peace, inner, your soul is at rest because it's at rest with God. Purpose. You're not confused about who you are, why you're here, what you're doing. A full life speaks to forgiveness. Again, that's similar to the the idea of peace, but I'm not walking around feeling guilty or condemned. I'm embracing the grace that has been given to me in forgiveness of sins. If that's a full life, then a fair question is, are those just adjectives that you hear, or are those words descriptors of the life that you're actually currently living? God came, God sent, he showed up, he sent his son Jesus as a demonstration of his love, and secondly, to give us life to the fullest. What I love about what Jesus has done, not only given us life to the fullest, but he's given us eternal life. It would be a very hopeless life if I just knew I had 70 years here and then that was it. There was nothing beyond that. One of the things that the Bible teaches is that you were not created just to live 70, 75, 80 some odd years, and then you just cease to exist. I love how uh, Solomon a man of wisdom, says in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Not created just to survive life here. Not just to put in your time, and when it's done, it's done, and there is no more. We were created for eternity. This is what Jesus spoke of about eternal life. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus made it very simple for us. If you want eternal life, if you want to have knowledge and security that you have eternity, with God, peace with God, both now and forever. Do you have the Son? Do you know Jesus? Do you have right relationship with Jesus? A demonstration of God's love to give us life in the fullest and for eternity. And lastly, to lead us to God. A demonstration of love to give us life and ultimately, why did Jesus come? To lead us to God. This is maybe a hard one, but if Jesus did not come to lead us to God, 
what would happen then is we would remain lost and separated from God. And a lost and separated people from God will start inventing or creating ways, creating pathways to get to God. So whether it's through invented all sorts of religions in hopes to find him, we'll invent anything spiritual in hopes to get to him. Whether it's inventing all sorts of just rules and policies and laws, if you do this, 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 and this, then you'll get to God. Or maybe if we just come up with these philosophical truths as a mental ascent, an intellectual ascent, if you think about it enough, you'll eventually find yourself there. If Jesus did not come to lead us to God, that would be what humanity would look like, scrambling to find, how do I get there? What do I need to do? How do I achieve? How can I perform? This is what Jesus said about leading us to God. Jesus answered, I'm the way, this is John chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he's speaking to one of his disciples, and he says, If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. Verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one is going to come to, no one will find No one will get to the Father except through me. Jesus made clear, you can't perform, you can't work, you can't regulate, you can't think about it enough. Jesus came to lead us to God. And the hard but true reality is our predicament is because we're sinful people, we're separated from a holy God. The reality is we need a perfect person to lead us, meaning a holy person, to lead us to God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He bridges the gap. His life, his birth, his perfect sinless life, his brutal death on a cross bridges the gap for us between God. Why Christmas? A demonstration that God loves you. Why Christmas? To give you life, life to the fullest and eternal life. Why? To lead you to God. I don't know if you caught in the very last uh, part of um, Luke chapter 2, verse 7 specifically, but what I would just refer to is probably the greatest tragedy of the very first Christmas. And uh, starting verse 6, it says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. We know nothing about this individual who is managing the hotel, as it were. But this this phrase that Luke writes, because there was no room for him in the inn. When he came, there was no room for him. But tonight, before you head home in a few minutes, the final question that I wanted just to ask, is there room for him with you? The very first Christmas, there was no room. But for you tonight, is there room for him with you? And when I am asking the question of room for him, I'm not talking about 
making Jesus a footnote in an already scripted life. I'm not talking about, well, Jesus can have this section of my life. When I ask, is there room for him? Jesus came that we might fully enter into God's story, not our story. Jesus came not just for us to know these things, but ultimately to receive these things, to receive his love, to receive the life in its fullest purpose and joy and contentment and peace and forgiveness, eternal life, and to receive him as he would lead us to right relationship with God the Father. In a few moments, I'm going to uh, light a candle. We'll sing Silent Night together as we close. Um, But I want to go back and almost finish where we started with just a time of silence, a time to reflect on the why. The Bible makes very clear that the why he came, demonstrate his love, to give us life and life eternal, and to lead us to right relationship with God. Some here tonight, you don't just know that, you've received that. And so as you just would reflect for a moment, move from reflection to just giving God thanks for doing the unfathomable, stepping into this 2,000 years ago. So use this time of just silence to not just reflect on this, but to give God thanks for what he's done. And if you're here tonight and you're hearing this, you're like, wow, I didn't know this is what God ultimately did to demonstrate his love, to give me life to the full and give me eternal life and to lead me to God. Then I would ask you, humbly ask you, to not just reflect on these truths, but to receive them, to own them. If you've not made that decision to receive the one who stepped into our world to love, to give life, and to lead us to God, then tonight would you receive that Christmas gift from God to you, the gift of a right relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Ask just for maybe two minutes of silence. And for those of you who have maybe never started, received the gift that God has for you, I'm going to put up a prayer on the screen. By no means is this a a magical prayer. This is uh, just an expression um, of the heart. But if this is your heart, This is a a prayer that says, Jesus, I just give thanks that you came as a demonstration of God's love for me. I give thanks that you came to give me fullness of life and life eternal. I give thanks that you came to lead me to God. Jesus, I confess that without you, I would be lost and separated from God because of my sin. I thankfully and humbly receive you, Jesus, into my life, confessing and believing that I'm a sinner in need of you as my Savior. And now place my faith, hope, trust in you, Jesus. If that's an expression of your heart, then in this time of silence, uh, pray that to God. Jesus, we give you thanks that you came as a demonstration of God's love to give us life in the fullest sense to give us eternity with you. 
Jesus, we give thanks that you came to lead us to God, that you were perfect without sin, but yet you take a sinful humanity and lead us to God the Father who forgives us of all of our sins. We give you thanks, Jesus. I'm going to light a candle and would ask that you would stand with me. And I'm going to light, uh, there's one red candle up here tonight. Uh, and it's really just meant to be symbolic of not only the birth of Christ, but his life and his death and resurrection. Uh, so as we would uh, stand and sing Silent Night, uh, hopefully we'll, one light will make it through all of us uh, tonight. Uh, but we stand and give thanks uh, for who God is and what God has done.